and welcome back to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and time for another two-week checkup on our reading list. Yours, I know, has been pretty poor. I haven't done bad this time. No, no, not at all. Tell us what you've been reading. Uh, a variety of odds and ends. I'll start with one just because I know we've talked about it. It's definitely a reread for me, but uh, read it to... Our daughter, David and Goliath, Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, mm, always good with Malcolm You know, we've, we've dipped into this a lot, but uh, I think it is my favorite of his. I was reminded just, you know, it's a special book because his insight into the subjects really takes on kind of a metaphysical cast here. I mean, there, there is a spiritual element in this book uh, that really makes it more than just interesting for me. Uh, and And... You know, it's hard to gauge sometimes how much our daughter invests in, in a book. Uh, but Especially one that, you know, to be fair, she's young. Yeah. And, and you like to read her books that are really quite advanced. Well, I thought it was a good sign that we read this book and about halfway through she said, is it wrong if this makes me really interested in learning more about psychology? And I'm like, uh, no, no, it's <laughs> not wrong at all. Kind of the point of the book, so. Yeah, so uh, it... Obviously did that for her. We started another Gladwell. So. I saw that you all had. Yeah, so she, she must have liked it or she wouldn't have said, let's do that next then. I'll, so. I'll be interested to see what she thinks. Yeah. Uh, another one that was a reread for me, although it was a book that I've got over there on the shelf, and I read an e-version because it got revised, a book called The Unreleased Beatles by Richie Unterberger. What a great name. That is a fabulous name. Well, and, and Richie... This is one of my favorite Beatles books, honestly, because he goes through their whole career and goes through all the stuff that's not on albums that is out there in the trading underground world. A confession here for people who don't know me that well, but I spent way too many hours of my time in my youth trading around Maxell cassette tapes with, <laughs> you know, Beatles and Bob Dylan and... and I don't know, whoever else I was into at the time, uh, concerts on them. So, uh, you know, some of the stuff I knew about and was interested to read, some of the stuff I didn't know about it was interested to read. And again, it was a revised version. The hazard in a book like this is there's always new stuff that's coming out. And for somebody like the Beatles, they're always re- releasing new stuff. They're, they're you know, cashing in on their back pages themselves. Uh, but it, it's both... Factually accurate and interesting. Uh, if you care about this sort of thing, you would dig it. If you don't, I don't think it's going to change your mind, and you're probably spending your time in better and more constructive ways. But I wasn't, and sometimes I still don't, so <laughs> confession over. Um, read a novel that had been on my shelves for a long time. Picked this up at uh, Off Square Books in Oxford, Mississippi, one of our favorite bookstores. It's a novel called The Night Train by Clyde Edgerton. And just as a side note, if you are ever, I don't know, within 100 miles of Oxford, Mississippi, you should go there and you should visit Square Books, Off Square Books, and Square Junior. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. And it's it's about an hour from Memphis. Yeah. Uh, it's about an hour from Tupelo if for some reason you are there. Uh, so We have stayed in both places and been drawn down to Oxford. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the night train is a 1960s civil rights novel. You know, there are many that fit that genre. It's about two teenage boys uh, and really about, you know, one's black and one's white. It's about their shared love of music and how the black boy 
teaches the white boy about James Brown, and and I hate to give away the plot in case somebody does want to check this out, but that becomes an important part of the book, the fact that he, he plants this love of James Brown's music in this white Southern kid who, you know, everybody else is like, this is kind of strange, but he gets it, uh, and, and it changes his life. Uh, it's, a, it's a good book in terms of writing about music uh, and you know, capturing a time and place that I didn't get to live through, but uh, vicariously you kind of pick up some of it here. Um, I will say a little bit disappointing the ending. It's hard with novels sometimes. It feels like they just kind of taper off. This was one of those. I, oh. I could have used a more kind of rounded resolution, but still uh, worth the while. Enjoyable. Yeah. So. Okay. And read The Bonafide Legend of Cool Papa Bell by Lonnie Wheeler. And this was a posthumous book for Lonnie. Lonnie was an excellent sports writer uh, who passed away a year or two back. And this book came out since then, uh, obviously. Uh Despite that, I have to say, not my favorite of Lonnie's books. Oh, uh, no. Not that he didn't do a good job. It's just, we've talked about this before. Cool Papa Bell's another of the legends of baseball's Negro Leagues. It's hard to tell authoritative stories about guys who are, are almost ghosts. I, I mean, you're, you're just reaching into the ether and pulling back shadows. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to pin much of anything about that down. And that doesn't mean it's not worth trying to do. And that doesn't mean it's not interesting to see what you can come up with, but, you know, I've been one of my recent fascinations. If you listen a lot, you recognize I've read, I'm sure, half a dozen books about the Negro Leagues, and most of them just leave me wishing we knew a little more or we could round out the picture a little bit, and unfortunately, yeah, you, that a lot. you know, this this is another one of those. Uh, I will say, Lonnie did a book with Bob Gibson that's really good, if you want to check that out, but my favorite of his books is a book called Blue Yonder, which is one of the most complete books about Kentucky's statewide obsession with basketball that I've ever read. Hmm. Uh, that one came out late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, so it's been a while since I read it, but I remember it very fondly. And if, if you want to check out Lonnie, I would go there first. Uh, but if you're interested in Cool Papa Bell, again, a credible job, just one that made me wish we could pad it out a little bit and one that made me wish we'd have more books from Lonnie Wheeler. But uh, we get what we get. All right. And speaking of getting what we get, uh, the last of my picks this time was... It's my favorite of your picks. Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. I love when you read a book that I recommended and said was amazing. Well, you did, and it was a long time ago. And then I got you a cameo from Priya Priya O'Shea O'Shea (laughs) from Great British Baking, who is one of our favorites on there. And... In the course yeah, you of got that, me that for our anniversary. She literally sent me a video that told me happy anniversary. Uh-huh. And then she talked about, because you had told her things about me. Yeah. So she would know right. what to talk about. And so she, obviously books are a big part of that. So she started talking about what she was reading. Mm-hmm. And she was going to read this. Yeah. So I don't really know how to feel about the fact that I recommended <laughs> this book so highly. And then you didn't start reading it until Priya O'Shea said you should read it. Well, but you know what? She is awesome. Let's also contextualize and point out, I started reading it about 10 weeks after Priya O'Shea said she was going to read it. How many weeks after I said it? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, again, it was it was out there. It was something I was thinking about anyway. And that did help nudge me like, okay, well, there's there's somebody else who's going to check it out. At least a celebrity makes you want to do things. So. 
I'm not honoring that with it, it's a It's such a good book. Tell what. You but yeah, that's the, the kicker here is that it really is a wonderful book. Uh, you know, you talked about it in an earlier episode. I'm not going to you know, recapture the, the plot. If people are interested, go back and check. But it's about Shakespeare, uh, and it's about his life. It's about his marriage, and it's about his life as a parent. And it's about art, and it's about ghosts and the way that we use art to encapsulate the people who we love, who we have to leave behind or who leave us behind, depending on how you want to look at that. Um, but it was also, like, playing off what you said there, also really interesting how Maggie O'Farrell used art to encapsulate people. Oh, very much, very much. Art has and... Well, and, and that's the interesting thing. I mean, this is the kind of book that, independent of the fact that it's a beautifully written book and it's fascinating, I was interested, I was hooked just by the idea because Shakespeare is such a quintessential artist and we know so little about him. And the things that um, are at the center of this book are the things that, you know, as English majors, as lovers of Shakespeare for forever, these captivated, these these details captivated us and, you know, yeah. uh, the classes around us. And I'll never forget going and standing outside Anne Hathaway's house in Stratford-upon-Avon and, you know, being in William Shakespeare's house that he lived in when he was a boy and that knowing that there's still so many mysteries about them. Yeah, and on some level it's heartbreaking, but on the other level it's wonderful because it's liberating. It kind of allows you to... to wonder your own puzzles and create your own story. And that's really what Maggie O'Farrell does here. Again, if it interests you, seek out Julie's earlier comments. She was much more eloquent and thorough. Uh, but I can just tell you, it really lived up to everything I hoped from it. And the best books for me are the books that when I finish, I'm a little bit sad that I'm, I'm finished. And this was one of those. Oh, very much so. And the whole book was beautiful, but I cried straight through the ending. So. Yeah, it, I said a lot of novels have trouble with endings. This one didn't. This you know, this was the home run in the bottom of the ninth. I read this book a year ago because I read it right before the anniversary of my little sister's death. Okay. And yeah. that, I think, is part of the reason that it resonated with me so strongly because, of course, Hamnet, Shakespeare's son, you know from history, he dies. And that's yeah. the center of this book. So. Well, it, and it was timely for me. Yeah, Wednesday, I lost a friend uh, from high school. Uh, he passed on and you know one of those things always makes you think about your own mortality and and the way that you remember people and what does any of that mean and it was a timely book to to be in the middle of but it'd be a good book anywhere anytime uh yes yes you know. it would if you haven't read it just read it it's so yeah good. hamnet maggie o'farrell that's of the five i read that's the one that i'm like run don't stars. walk to it's your local amazing. library bookstore <laughs> you know wherever and get it and read it and enjoy it but anyway that's that's my report what do you over to me got to say yeah the first one i read is called the liography of babe ruth by alan katz <laughs> you bought this for our son and we read it together and i laughed all the way through okay so can you just because this is a series right these liographies i don't know if it's a series but if it is i want to find more of it so yeah, our, our son is indicating that he wants to give voice uh, with his thoughts on the liography. So, uh, duck right in. What do you What do you got to share? It was really good, except it was funnier for for me because I know a lot about Babe Ruth, 
And if you don't know about Babe Ruth before reading this, you should probably know some stuff about uh, Babe Ruth that's actually real because if you don't know stuff about Babe Ruth, then this won't be as funny. Yeah, that's actually really good advice because what the biography is, is it's... Um, loosely based on fact <laughs> but then it's really strongly fictionalized so if you don't know what's true and what's not i mean some of it'll be obvious like the opening chapter i think had babe ruth like hitting home runs in diapers or something i mean it was just yeah there's this, a paul bunyan yeah. aspect to babe ruth anyway so there's part so. of this that you would you would know but then there are other things that are and the author does in the end include like just kind of a time capsule a quick true biography yeah. at the end but it's worth, I think the ones that you would enjoy the most of this kind of book would be the ones where you already know something about them. So that was really fun to read. Also with our son, I read Diary of an Awesome Friendly Kid by Jeff Kinney. Which seemed awesome. I, it was. I really enjoyed it. We are right now reading Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Um, he's going to come back and tell us his opinions <laughs> on, on these books. Um, um, the, I liked the... Diary of an Awesome Friendly Kid more, but you should probably read The Diary of a Wimpy Kid more because of all the stuff that Greg grows, goes through in Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And it, and in like, it, Greg is trying to be cool in Diary of a Wimpy Kid, but then it goes to, but then it goes to rally doing stuff that, that, if Greg, that Greg would never do, do. And so you probably need to read The Diary of a Wimpy Kid and Diary of an Awesome Friendly Kid is Greg's best friend, Rally. Yeah, so that was, that was a really uh, good help. Thank you, Ryan. The Diary of a Wimpy Kid is told through, um, through he just said the name and I lost it, through Greg's, <laughs> through Greg's point of view. And then Diary of an Awesome Friendly Kid is told through his best friend, Rowley's point of view. Um, Rowley is an awesome, friendly kid, and Greg is a jerk, and so <laughs> yeah. these books have wildly different perspectives, but they cover similar stories of these two boys trying to grow up, and they're really a lot of fun to read. All right, I read um, a book called Yours Cheerfully by A.J. Pierce. I read her first book in this series, Dear Mrs. Bird, when it came out a while ago. It's historical fiction, which I don't do a lot of, but these are just really, really fun, sweet books. They are set in World War II in Britain. So, you know, stiff upper lip, keep calm and carry on, all that. It's very much um, focused on the world of women working and trying to carry on it and what does it look like to be a woman in this time period under these circumstances. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. My grandmother, of course, not in Britain, but in America doing similar things, working in a factory yeah. in this time period. I just um, really enjoyed being able to make those connections. And I, I think it sounds weird to say that those books are a lot of fun, but those books... Um, because of the emphasis on carrying on, um, they they leave you very uplifted, really. Um, one, Two, Three by Laurie Frankel, maybe one of my favorite books that I've read this year. Um, that was amazing. And I kind of, we, I checked it out from the library. Otherwise, so do I need to read this in a year or so? We're <laughs> I was going to say, I, otherwise I would hand it over to you, but it's one of the ones that there's a list for, for at the library, mm -hmm. so we, we've got to get that one on back. Um, but one, two, three is the story of Mab, Monday, and um, Mirabelle, who are the Mitchell triplets, and they call each other one, two, and three. They live in the town of Bourne, which um, was just your normal average small town until um, right before the girls were born when the local chemical plant poisoned their water, and it led to all kinds of deaths and diseases. Their father died, and each one of them suffered in utero in varying degrees. 
Maribel cannot um, speak on her own. Um, Monday struggles with a lot of um, just like social things, understanding with other people. She only wears yellow. Um, and then Mab is the one who they've all put their sights on. She's got to get out of town. She's going to go to college. She's going to do something. Um, so this is the story of the three of them and their mother who has fought for their entire lives um, a, a losing battle with a lawsuit to bring justice um, and to get some repayment for everything that this company has stolen. And then um, a, a long-lost person comes back to town, and it looks like a very old story is about to start all over again. And I was captivated the whole time. I loved these characters. The story was gorgeous. It looks very deeply at um, what the human heart wants and exactly what you'll do to get what it is that you most want. So, yeah, that's awesome. You will yeah. like it if you can ever read it. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, then I read Instructions for Dancing by Nicola Yoon. She wrote The Sun is Also a Star, and she wrote another book. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but she's a fabulous young adult author, and this book did not let me down. In this book... Um, the main character, whose parents have recently gotten divorced because her father cheated on her mother, um, she's been an avid romance reader, but now all of that's destroyed for her, and her belief in love is completely destroyed. Then in a little free library, she's given a book on dancing, and she follows instructions within it to go to a local dance studio, and almost before she knows what's going on, she is enrolled in a dance class, in a, in a competition, with X as her partner, and um, everything for her changes from there. It's not a simple story, even though that sounds like your typical, predictable, here's how everything goes. Um, it's a story very much about relationships, about forgiveness, about what it actually means to love somebody, and what it means that you do for someone that you truly love. Um, worth a read for anybody of any age, as all of her books are. And then the last book that I read besides our shared read was called The Sweetest Remedy by Jane Igaro. Um, this was a book, I got it from Book of the Month Club, and it was about a young woman who has, whose um, parents were never married. She never knew her father. She's only met him once or twice in her life. He is Nigerian. Her mother is American, and she finds out that he has passed away, and one of his final wishes was that she would come to his funeral in Nigeria and meet his wife and the other siblings. Um, and so she goes. And um, this book really, uh, it was not what I expected either. Um, you said that about one of yours kind of as well. I know many, many people have enjoyed this book. I've read a ton of ratings that just rated it very highly, but this one did not turn out to be for me as much as I thought it would. But by all means, if that um, description sounds interesting, check it out. Well, in our shared book, I have to admit it's not shared the way it should be. I didn't read it because you took forever to read it this time. We've both read it but multiple read times. It. Yeah. And uh, My Reading Life by Pat Conroy. Oh, how we love Pat Conroy. Yeah, Pat Conroy, I don't know. I sit here and I try to, how do you explain I think him? we've talked about him yeah. before when you read Death of Santini. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and yeah. I mean, he's brilliant, but he he's very elusive. He he defies description. He defies typecasting. Well, he would start out describing himself as a Southern writer. He was raised by his mother to be a Southern writer, um, and he trained himself for this. She trained him for this, which he discusses at length in this book, um, in libraries and through literature for his entire life. 
Um, he is the son of a Marine fighter pilot. Um, he wrote a lot. Okay, he's both known for his fiction, but all of his fiction contains some hints of autobiography. Yeah, so the that, more I learned about him, yeah. the more I realized, oh, that wasn't quite as fictional as I thought. I mean, The Great Santini, which was his first novel, his his father's nickname was The Great Santini. There was no real shadowing here who he was oh, writing about and, and with this. His father was abusive, and he writes about a lot of abusive fathers. His family was dysfunctional, and he writes about a lot of dysfunctional families. Yeah. His love life was complicated, and he, he writes, writes about a lot of yeah. complicated loves. But every book, you know, it sounds like, from the description, it sounds like he, it would be so depressing. But every book is gorgeous. No. It's full of hope. It's full of love. Um, Pat Conroy must have been the most amazing man. I, I mean, amazing. I don't, I don't know how easy it would have been to be married to that man, you know? Yeah, but. he was singular. He, he was one of those who... who I would have God liked broke the mold. <laughs> I would have loved to have been at dinner parties. <laughs> yes. He would be fascinating for a couple hours. Absolutely. Yeah, he he he's one of my literary heroes. Um, I cannot cannot get over his writing and I've read many of his books multiple times. You've read um, almost all of his books. There's only one of his books that I have not yet read and I own it and it is his very first book called The Boo. And I hunted that down for you at great difficulty and expense, <laughs> and you haven't read it but yet. But here's the deal. Sorry, you I thought coming. about this um, when I was finishing up my reading life, and I thought, I need to go and get The Boo, and I need to read it. Pat Conroy's gone. Yeah. That is the last new book of his I ever have to read. Yeah. Like, it's, it's the last thing he wrote. Like, I've read the books of essays of his that were published posthumously. I've read... Um, the biographies that were posted from him about him. I've read what his wife wrote about. I've read everything I can find about this man, except that book. And there's a part of me that still just wants to leave <laughs> that one for a little bit longer. So I still have one thing to look forward to. He was a complicated man, but one of one of my all time favorite writers. And I cannot say enough to say how much I admire him. So that said, this book is a story about how he came to read and how the things that he read influenced his writing and. We were talking about it earlier, and I said that was one of the things that I liked about the book, that I thought it was kind of funny. He's very explicit in the fact that his reading life very much keyed his writing life. And a lot of writers are, are very cloak and dagger about that. They'll tell you, I mean, I've seen in books, don't read so many books, which is a hilarious <laughs> thing to say to somebody who's reading a book. But Oh, it's going it's gonna muddle your focus. It's that's gonna, it. You just need to write, you know. You can read or you can write. You can't do both. Pat well, Conroy says, No, you do both. And you if have you to can't do both. do both, then you better read. That's that's basically true. What yeah, he says. if I had to choose, I'm with him. Um yeah. And he's very open about his influences. There's a chapter about Thomas Wolfe, and if you've ever read Thomas Wolfe and Pat Conroy, you can see the influence oh, sure. shot all the way through. Um, and there's a chapter about James Dickey and how much he admires him. He attended um, two poetry classes with James Dickey and um, maintained some kind of correspondence with him all of his life, despite the fact that he also says writers are um, just such a, such a competitive, poisonous breed, and he's not... Not close to many of them. Um, he writes, this is a book also, though, about, since it is his reading life, he talks about his influences outside of authors. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, authors, sure, he writes about Tolstoy. Like, there's all kinds of authors he talks about. But he also devotes a chapter to Jean Norris, who was the teacher who literally changed his life. Um, he devotes a chapter to Paris and the teachers who guided him toward it. He has a chapter about his mother and oh, yeah. the way that she influenced him. He has a chapter about the old New York bookshop mm -hmm. in Atlanta 
which um, changed the way that he saw himself as a writer. Just made me mad when I read it that I couldn't go there myself. <laughs> closed, you know, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, I think one of my favorite parts of the entire book is in that chapter how he talks about what heaven will be like for him. The room that he wants in heaven <laughs> is in the old New York bookshop on um, a book party night. And he will get to call up all of the authors he's ever loved to come. and re- It just gives me goosebumps. I love it. It's funny that you went there because I was listening to you talk about uh, Wolf and Dickie. And, and I thought, you know... I don't know who will be in heaven, but if I'm lucky enough to be there, I'm going to try to ferret out the Southern Writers' Corner <laughs> because if any of them are there, they're going to be having a whale of a time. Oh, it'll be awesome. Um, yeah, this it, it's it's a beautiful book, and if you are if you're listening to this podcast, you're somebody who loves books, so this is one at least worth looking into. Yeah, anything Pat wrote is is. Ground Zero, it's not always easy to read, but you'll find yourself drawn back even when you have trouble with it. Uh, oh, and this every, one's pretty easy. This, this, one, one, is, is this one is not like his novels. His novels always have a part that just, oh, it's just emotionally heartbreaking. You can't, you're not mm-hmm. sure you can make it through, but you persevere with him to the end, and you're so glad you did. Yeah, eternally, and uh, enjoyed my reading life, and... Uh, all the, the good stuff that came from Pat Conroy. Yes. I got to see him. What You didn't get to go with me, did you? I did, but you I took care off, of the kids so right? that you could go He was and, at the Southern it's the Southern Festival of Books in yeah, Nashville, right? right? And we knew he was going to be there, and we also knew we did not necessarily want, because the kids were little. They were. They were too little we to sit in a room and be quiet. We didn't want to make them try to sit and listen. So you dropped me off in front of the library downtown, and I ran in and got to sit and listen to him talk and answer questions and he was as gracious and kind and funny as you'd think he would be yeah one of my again all-time top um writer experiences well of course you reciprocated a year later you took care of the kids and i went and listened to peter Gralnick talk about uh sam phillips and i think i've talked about that on here but you if have, i haven't yeah. i know i've talked about how much i love peter Gralnick's writing yeah and that was a special day too so Take so care of each other. You can you can do some cool stuff. And maybe now that our kids are bigger, we can even do it together once we're <laughs> safe to do it again. Well, and here's another plug. Uh, the Southern Festival of Books is in um, October. I think it's the second weekend of October That's every year. It, yeah. And it's always in Nashville, but they have just announced that this year they will be online again. So mm-hmm. it, that would also be a really cool thing to check out virtually. They will have fabulous authors online talking about books, too. Yeah, always worth your while. Thank you for joining us and listening to what we had to say about um, Pat Conroy and all these other things that we're reading. If you have anything that you want to let us know about what we said today or anything you think we ought to be reading, please, please email us, paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod and on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. Our next joint read is going to be Leadership in Turbulent Times by Doris Kern Goodwin. Check that out. For goodness sakes, keep reading.